You are listening to the weekly podcast of Bethlehem Temple Church in Middletown, Ohio. We pray you enjoy today's message. I'll give him a praise this morning. Hallelujah. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy of all honor, glory, and praise this morning. Hallelujah. Nobody like him. He's already visited us this morning in Christian development, or some of you call it Sunday school. We had a great time in the Lord, and the Lord is here this morning, and we thank and praise God for all of you that are here and those of you who are joining us online. What a glorious day to be in the house of the Lord just one more time. I'd like to make also an announcement that on next week, we're going to have a baptismal Sunday. So anyone that has not been baptized and you would like to be baptized, we have some forms, not a form per se, but some information on the who, what, why's and those types of things of baptism because we want you to know when you make that commitment, what it means, what it stands for, it's not just a one-time decision, but it's a lifetime decision. So if this is you, please let First Lady know and we have some information to pass along to you. And if you're online, if you've never been water baptized in that name, we ask you to come and we'll be so glad to do it on next week. I know that we have a couple of children it's already scheduled, so uh, while we're in the water, we might as well baptize anybody who wants to be baptized who haven't been baptized yet. So uh, that's going to happen on next week. I invite your attention to 1 Corinthians, again, chapter number 13, verse number 4. I believe it's been three weeks on this one verse. And as I say, not done yet. First Corinthians chapter 13. And if you just be so kind, I know it's going to be a quick one, but if you would just stand in reference of respect of God's word. And it says in verse number four, charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity fault not itself. It is not puffed. Uh, several weeks ago, we dealt with the fact that charity is patient or is long-suffering, long-tempered, not easily provoked. Last week, we talked about his kindness, love, and action. Today, we want to talk about charity envieth not. Think up on the subject today, charity thrives on the success of others. Love thrives on the success of others. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you, O oh God, for this opportunity that you have given us to come. We ask you now to touch your word. Let it be a blessing to your people. And let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And all God's people say amen. amen. There's a story told of a monk who lived in a cave in the wilderness. This monk had a great reputation for being holy and a godly man. In fact, his reputation reached hell itself so that the devil sent three of his demons to tempt the monk to sin and thus destroy his holiness. When these demons reached 
the wilderness. They found the monk sitting at the mouth of the cave with a serene look on his face. The first demon walked up to him and planted in his mind the temptation of great power with visions of kingdoms and their glory. But the face of the monk remained serene. The second demon walked up to him and planted in his mind the temptation of great wealth with the vision of silver and gold and all that money could buy. But the monk remained serene. The third demon walked up to him and planted in his mind the temptation of sensuous pleasure with visions of women and dancing girls, but still the face of the monk remained surreal. The devil got annoyed and he said to his demons, step aside and I will show you what's never fair. He walked up to the monk. He leaned over and whispered in his ear, have you heard the news? Your classmate Marcos has just been named Bishop of Alexander. And the man or the monk's face frowned with envy. Envy is a very big problem in our society today. I don't know about you, but I, I, I looked at patience. I said, I, I got some things I got to check. When I looked at love being kind, I said, there's some things I got to check. But when it comes to this envy, I got to say, search my heart, oh Lord. Oh, come on, y'all. And I'm saying it's good when the word of God finds you. Because that means that you are, there's an opportunity to grow. And so when I looked at this idea of envy does not, or love does not envy, I said, Lord, speak to me. And there were some things I had to say, Lord, get this straight in my heart so that when you bless others, I don't have to feel envious of what you're doing for them. Now, when we look at this envy, Shakespeare dubbed it the green-eyed monster. Socrates says it's the daughter of pride. It's the author of murder and revenge. It's the begetter of secret seduction. Now, when we look at this then, there was an article I read about envy. It says, basically, we live in an age of envy. And I'm going to paraphrase it. Because it talks about the fact of the, what the advent of social media with the advent of Twitter and all the things that now we have online, where we used to just envy our neighbor stuff, now we compare ourselves with everybody in the world. Think about it. I have shared with you, there's times I thought God has blessed us greatly in service and God has moved greatly. And then all of a sudden I go back to try to put our stuff on the website and change things around and I see somebody else got a bigger congregation. Somebody else got a bigger audience or somebody else is doing something that we're not doing. And if you leave unchecked, the root of envy will set up in our hearts. It talked about the fact that now there's something that the psychologists call this comparative-itis, where we compare ourselves with one another. And if we compare ourselves with one another, we'll never be happy and content in Jesus. The rationalization for envy is the term, it's not fair. Uh, you might have been on a job for a long time and you worked harder and somebody else gets a promotion. What do we say? It's not fair. We shared in our Sunday school class this morning, a man called 
uh, workers. And Elmire's laid out the fact one came at nine, one came at noon, one came at three, and one came with just a couple hours left, and he got the same thing. All of them got the same thing. And those who were uh, been there all day said, it ain't fair. When we look at it, some of us say, well, I've been here for a long time. I've served God. It seemed like I don't get the breaks. It's not fair. And when, the bottom line is that when we look at envy, envy was a part of the original sin. When Satan looked up and saw God, he's envied in his heart. He said, I want to be like the most high. It was planted in Eve's mind when Satan said, you shall be like other gods. So it was planted even in Eve's mind, this sin of envy. Because of envy, Cain slew his brother Abel. Because of envy, the Philistines stopped up Isaac's well. Because of envy, Joseph's brother sold him into slavery. Because of envy, the elder brother in the story of the prodigal son could not rejoice when his brother came back to the father's house. Because of envy, men crucified our Lord. And because of envy, the apostles were cast into prison and was persecuted. And how it comes to terms with the Corinthian church, again, the Corinthian church had many problems. But they had all of the gifts. They had the flashy gifts. They had the gifts that were on show. But the Bible lets us know, and Paul was saying, but if you don't have love, you don't have nothing at all. See, envy cannot stand to see the success of others. I'm going to stop right there and let that pop. Envy cannot stand to see the success of others. How do you respond when folk, when God blesses other folk? See, it's one thing when God blesses you. But how do you react when God blesses other people? See, and, and, and see, I'm saying those of you who say you got friends, see how your friends respond when God blesses you. If they always got to quantify it, well, they bless them because of this, you better find you another friend. If we remember in the Corinthian church, Paul was trying to let them know we're one body. And we're, we're empowered by the same Lord. How many of you in here are right-handed? Now, what if your left hand said, I'm not going to cooperate because the right hand is more dominant? And I don't know about you, but there's times I can do things with my right hand. But there's also some times I need my left hand to kick in. That's what Paul was trying to say. Don't put your emphasis upon the big things or on the things that show. He said we need everybody to come to terms with the fact that everybody's important. Yes, you can use your right hand for certain things, but there are certain things you need your left hand to help you with. So what is envy then? Webster defined envy as being discontent at the excellent of good fortune of another. He goes on to say, envy is uncomfortable. It's an uncomfortable feeling that one experienced the advances of someone else's good fortune. See, envy is like this. It's one thing to say, I want my grass to be greener on my side. But envy said, I want your grass to be brown. <laughs> you see what I'm talking about? 
If it's not only saying, I, I want my grass to be green, but I want yours to be burned. And we just deal with it. We think about the unfortunate things of people's lives. John Piper says it this way. Envy is a mingling of desires for something with worship resentment that another is enjoying and we're not. Things aren't going well for you, but things are going well for them, and it just gnaws at us. When we see things happening in other people's life, and it's not helping, happening in our lives, and something just in our Adam, Adamic nature that makes us just frown and get angry if we don't watch it. Watch this. If you don't get anything else out of what I've said today, get this. It says, envy is basically resenting God's goodness to others and ignoring his goodness to us. That's it. Envy is when we always focus in on our neighbor's blessings and don't focus on the blessing God has given us. Envy is when we're looking outside at what God is doing and not realizing God is blessing me right now. Envy is seeing how God is working in other folks' life and never appreciate what God is doing in my life right now. So when we look at it then, envy is the art of counting your neighbor's blessings. I remember just this week I had a, a salesman, first lady would tell you, he came to the house trying to sell me an uh, uh, alarm system, a new alarm system. I already got one. but And he tried to stop me. He, Came probably about four or five times and I wasn't home. Then finally he caught me when I was walking my dog and I thought I told him I didn't want one so he followed me home. And so then he said, I only want five minutes. And, then, and he was professional and he knew how to use the terms and all those things. And then he says, well look, your neighbor across the street got one of my signs. And look, that neighbor got one of my signs. He learned how to use our bent nature against us and wanting us to envy what somebody else has. He was telling me all of the little caveats and all the little things that this thing would do. And I said, well, my system doing enough. And I understand that if God don't watch over a house, I got a dog and he, was, and, and he ain't going to help out. If God ain't going to watch over my house, because by the time they insert or have new technology to put in our homes to keep it protected, the enemies already figure out a way how to circumvent it. So my trust is in the Lord. Not my alarm system, not my dog, not my 38, 238, not my, not my 38. It, 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 it's in the Lord. Some of y'all get it in a minute. Why is envy so destructive? James tells us in chapter 3, verse 14 to 15, because it's devilish. He says, but ye have bitter envies and strife in your heart. He said, glory not, and lie not against the truth. Watch this. He said, this wisdom descend not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envy and strife is, there's confusion and every evil work. In other words, what James was saying, envy is like the gateway drug. 
When I grew up, they said marijuana was the gateway drug that leads to a, a harsher and harder drugs. And it, it, it comes in because it's a little bit more acceptable, but it opens you up for things and, and, and uh, in your future that could potentially harm you to a greater extent. Envy is the same way. It's a gateway. James says when you open yourself up to envy, you open up yourself to all types of evil works. Because it comes from the heart where we can't enjoy the blessings of someone else. And that's important to understand. When you're in the church, you got to work together. Somebody else got this gift. Somebody else got that gift. we got to say, let's celebrate our differences together and not compete against one another, but learn to compliment one another. I was surprised to see that Envy is classified as being worse than wrath and anger. Proverbs says that wrath is cruel and anger is outrageous, but he who stands before envy. In other words, he was saying envy is worse than wrath and anger. Why is it so? Because envy causes conflict. Say it causes conflict. We talked about the fact in the day Corinthian church, it causes conflict, it causes divisions among them. But I, I, I think about the story in 1 Samuel chapter number 18, and the Bible says in verse number 6, and when the men was returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the woman came out from the town of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing. They were throwing a party because the men were coming back home. They began to sing their songs, and what we would say, they were having some church in there. And the Bible says they begin to dance, and all of a sudden, King Saul heard them singing, Saul has killed his thousand. Could you imagine Saul's come primping through the town and his head getting big? But when he heard the last stanza of the song, but he said, but David killed his 10,000. In other words, Saul could not be happy at the success of David. And the Bible said from that moment, Forward, saw I, David, with envy and jealousy. To the degree that it consumed Saul. And, and that's why it's so devastating because now Saul is trying to find ways to take David out. He tried to kill David on numerous occasions. He put a hit out on David's life. He did all these things because he allowed envy to come into his life. How many of y'all are not talking to folk because of envy? How many family members y'all don't associate with anymore because of envy? See, we got to understand envy is the gateway. Envy is destructive. Envy will let you separate yourself. And just let me say this. Society is doing a good job of dividing us already. Those of you who are historians know that it used to be in the days of slavery, they would make a distinction between the, the light-skinned slave and the darker-skinned slave. But now they have brought it to a new art where they're bringing the young against the old, the black against the white, the rich against the poor. And while we're all divided, they're just running this country down, in my opinion. Amen. See, envy consumes us, but not only that, it created fear. The Bible says Saul was afraid of David because he knew God was with him. See, the thing about it is, 
When God is with you, when God has got an anointing on your life, it will raise the receptors of the demons and they will look at you. See, everybody that don't like you is not because of your black or your white. Sometimes they don't like you because of the call of God that's on your life. And so therefore, it created fear. It created scheming to get David and to take him out. Also, envy is destructive because it blinds us to what God is doing in other people. I, I know that some of y'all think that only God works through you. I know some of y'all think God only works through Bethlehem Temple. I know some of y'all think God only works through, I, I better stop while I'm ahead, uh, through certain things. But God works through other people. And when we're envious, we cannot see God's work in the life of other people. You remember in St. John chapter 3, John the Baptist was the man. He was what we would call the bishop. He was the archbishop. He was the prelate. He was the one that everybody was running to to be baptized. And John's name was the one that people ran and, and, and wanted to be associated with. All of a sudden, John's disciples heard that there's a man that called Jesus is on the other side and people are coming to him. Don't you know if that would have been us, we would have tried to discredit Jesus. We just said, well, they just going to him because this or that. But John realized, John said, only the ones that the God has given me will come to me. In other words, John was saying, what God has for me is for me, and what he has for Jesus, for Jesus, I don't have to compete with nobody. And John says, I know my role. I must decrease so he can increase. John said, I'm not in competition with Jesus. We're on the same team. We serve the same God. We've got a different approach, but you bring a different approach. Don't mean we are at odds with one another. Bring our differences together and make us stronger, not weaker. So John the Baptist said, don't tell me that. I, I ain't going to get offended at Jesus. I'm not going to run Jesus down because his ministry is growing and his ministry is bigger than mine. I, I, I'm not going to run Jesus down because folk are running to him, leaving my church, going to their church. I, I'm not going to run Jesus down because of those things. Because John realized that whatever God has for us is for us and nobody can take that away from us. Envy is so destructive because envy has a way of distorting reality. Don't you know we live in a Photoshop generation? I'll go ahead and say it. There's some people I see on, 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 on Facebook and different platforms, and I look at them and I say, that ain't them. <laughs> oh, come on, y'all. Am I the only one? That ain't them. That don't look like them. It's been cropped, it's been photoshopped, it's been edited. And so we're trying to compare ourselves with something that's been photoshopped. We're trying to compare ourselves with something that's been edited. And therefore we are discontented over something that's not even real. Envy has a way of distorting our reality. You remember Asaph in Psalm 73? 
He said, my foot almost slipped when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He, he said, my, I got close to the edge when I see how blessed they were. He talked about the fact, he said, their strength is firm. He said, basically what he was saying, paraphrase, seems like they can eat what they want, never gain a pound. Seems like they run their bodies down and they can just keep on going. He said, seems like they don't have fears and worries like everybody else. And then Asaph said, when I began to consider this, it was almost too hard to bear to see that I'm serving God and it doesn't pay off or is not paying off and, it's, and serving God uh, is fruitful. But then Asaph said, but then I went into the house of the Lord. He said, I went into the sanctuary. And the sanctuary is where worship takes place. He said, when I began to worship God, it lifted me to a new dimension. When I began to worship God, it took me from earth to glory. When I began to worship God, I had a different perspective on it. And he said, when I went into the sanctuary, then I understood. He said, they were the ones that was on slippery ground. They was the ones that didn't have no future. They was the ones that had empty lives. But it wasn't until I got in contact with God that the vision became clear of what you have done for me. How many of you know envy is destructive because envy will make you miserable. Envy will eat you up. Envy, Proverbs talks about the fact in 1413, the heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bone. In, in other words, people who are harboring envy in their lives for anybody, you're not doing them any disservice, you're doing yourself a disservice because our body's not made to harbor envy and strife and those things that ought to uh, 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 not divide us, divide us in our hearts. Envy then is like a cancer, just eats at us, eats at us, eats at us when it's left unchecked. Also, this text in 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that envy is a roadblock. See, you can't love folk and envy them at the same time. That's why he said, love, envy if not. Paul says, so if the person's got the gift to lay hands on it, amen. If the person's got the gift of healing, amen. If the person got the gift of giving a prophetic utterance, amen. That don't make me any weaker, don't make them any stronger. It just makes that we are a member of one team and working together we can bring Satan's kingdom down. Let's start to land this plane. How do we put out the flames of envy in our hearts? How do we thrive on the success of others? First of all, we got to stop comparing. I said we got to stop comparing. We've got to stop comparing. Why will we compare ourselves with one another? When God has created us, every one of us unique. You can look in the mirror and say without, say with a certainty, ain't nobody like you, baby. Ain't nobody. Over six, eight million people, eight billion, ain't nobody just like you. That is living now 
that has lived all the way back in time. When God created you, he made the mold, broke the mold. Therefore, when God made us, we don't have to compare our gifts and our talents and our resources with somebody else because I'm unique. I'm wonderfully made by God. And let me just enjoy in what God has made me to be. There was a poem that says, I made the sticks I made for measuring I use most every day. It helped me to compare myself with others on my way. I watch all those behind me or further down the road. I would readjust my pace or lighten up my load. The only real drawback with how I ran my race was watching everything around me except the Savior's face. Don't you know God has got all of us in a race? My race is not against Elder Myers. My race is not against Minister Perry or Minister Thomas or Minister Cornelius or some of the other ministers. God has got me on a unique race so I don't have to run in competition with them. So therefore, I don't have to compare myself. So when God blesses them, thank God. I can thank God for how God has blessed them and bringing them and their ministry is prospering. When I heard the, 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 the women's class out there just rejoicing this morning, it brought joy to my heart. I don't have to say, well, we don't react like that. We're all different. <laughs> Only thing I told them to do, I said, now y'all bring that to the sanctuary. That's what I'm saying. We work together. We're not isolated. We're not in silos. And as soon as we realize that we're stronger together and love can bring us together, our gifts and things will flourish. Love thrives on the success of others. Not only when we stop comparing, but when we stop complaining. We have to learn to be content where God has got us placed. Stop complaining. I think this came up in our Sunday school class again. Well, tomorrow was talking about Israel got in so much trouble because they were complaining where they were. But see, if you know that God is omniscient and omniscient and all-powerful, you know that God's got everything in control. And therefore, where I am, that's where God wants me to be. And that nothing can happen, nothing can come into my life, nothing can stop me unless God allows it to come to my way. And then coming to my way, God says, I'll make a way for you to escape. We got to stop complaining and start thanking God for our circumstances. Thanking God for where He's got us. Stop complaining about what somebody else has got. Start saying, "Lord, I thank you for what you've given me." Not only does must we stop complaining, but we've got to start counting our blessings. How many know that we've got to count our many blessings? As long as we look out and look at other people, we'll always be unhappy. But just look back over your life and think things over. You got a testimony of God's amazing grace. You got a testimony of deliverance. You got a testimony he's a way maker. He's a mind regulator. He's a provider. He's a healer. And some of these folks don't even know what you've been through. But you can say when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, 
My soul cries out, hallelujah. Praise God for saving me. You don't know what he's brought me from. You don't know how he's making me and molding me. And the times when suicide crossed my mind, but he kept my mind, stayed on him. I'm going to start counting my blessings. I start commanding them one by one. You woke me up when I, when I put my foot on the floor this morning. I can feel the floor. When I woke up and I looked in the mirror, I said, that's Roger. I knew who I was. That's what I said. When I woke up, I could tell time. I can see. When I woke up, and felt like going to the church. It ain't because I'm so good. It's because God put it in my heart to be in the house of God. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for your blessing. See, when we focus on the blessing, it just takes us away from comparing ourselves from everybody else. Just count your blessings and see what he's done for us. And God has been good to every one of us. Count your blessings. A number of years ago, here we started like in October. And what we did, we, have a, we, had, we started a gratitude journal. And every day, I challenge you, whenever you feel like you ain't blessed, whenever you feel like uh, envy is the way to go, just every day you get up, just write something good that God has done. You'll be surprised when you look back over your life. When you look back over those weeks or those months and how good God has been. And so therefore, when we come together in the Corinthian context, we don't have to argue because God has been good to all of us. I said he's been good to all of us. Sunday school message talked about God has been gracious to all of us. Not just a select few. Lastly, we can thrive on the success of others when we keep on trusting God for his goodness. David says, I would have fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. David went through a lot of things in his life. David said, I would have given up. In Psalm 37, he even said, fret not thyself against evildoers. It seemed like they're getting away with it. It seemed like they're more prosperous than other folk. But he said, don't, don't fret yourself about that. But he said, I'm going to trust in God's goodness. And when we trust in God's goodness, we say, Lord, you know what's best for me. How many know God knows what's best for you? How many know that he's your father and no good thing will he withhold from them that walk up right before Don't you know that he's already promised blessings and he's already promised provision. He's already promised healing. He's already promised he will restore. He already promised deliver. So let's celebrate what he's already given us. So that I don't have to get angry. I don't have to get upset. And the point of the message is we got to check our own hearts. When God blesses other folk, how do you respond? The Bible says, rejoice with them that rejoice. 
and weep with those who weep. For me, it's a little easier to weep with those who weep. <laughs> it's a little harder to rejoice with those who rejoice. Because if we allow envy to come into our hearts, right. it'll make us miserable, it'll break our relationship, and also it affects our relationship with God. Please stand on your feet. Thank you for joining us. Please like our podcast and leave us a five-star review. God bless and have an amazing week.